0: A point I try to press in my approach to film criticism, which I've mentioned on the show before, is to avoid apples and oranges comparisons. For example, Goodwill Hunting isn't trying to be Snow White. The French Connection isn't When Harry Met Sally. So, when watching any movie, I try to think of two questions. Uh, What do you think this movie is trying to accomplish? And do you think it does this? This direct-to-video Mortal Kombat movie is the most self-aware film I've seen in ages. I can't think of the last time I watched something that had a better grasp of what its audience expected of it. And for some reason, after watching it, which I considered to be an entirely disposable experience, this film wouldn't leave my mind. It became a bee in my bonnet, and I wanted to talk about it. So, here we are, the episode no one asked for, Mortal Kombat Legends, Scorpion's Revenge. My name is Ryan, this is a Real Deep Dive. And the lucky co-host on this episode is my sister Cheryl, welcome back Yay, it's good to be back Yes, uh, we just finished watching this with your husband However, when I asked him if he wanted to jump in on this, he said no Because he doesn't want to co-host an episode with you
1: That's true, that is 100% all facts He refuses to do a single podcast episode with me
0: Yeah, he's done two with Sarah as of this recording
1: And the only person he will not podcast with
0: yeah, he did one with Sylvan too.
1: Yep. All the Valentine siblings, but his wife.
0: And your theory is that you're just so charming and funny that you're just going to blow him out of the water. He's intimidated by you.
1: He is absolutely intimidated by me. He's just he's so afraid that there's like two comedic geniuses in this household and like he wouldn't be able to uh, stand up to my shrine.
0: Right. <laughs> So, a plot of this film. In Japan, I think it's supposed to be set in modern times, but it it looks very fantasy-feudal Japan.
1: Wait a second, that
0: was Japan that was not like, the the ninja realm? Yeah, whatever, it's the ninja realm, sure. Shira Ryu Grandmaster Hanzo Hasishi is teaching his young son Satoshi a parable about scorpions. You see, because scorpions, people aren't scared of them because they're poisonous or anything like that. It's the strength of their will
1: yeah I mean that's that's what I say all the time when I think about scorpions
0: and this is the film's core theme. This will come up again when we get to act three. It's important, so make sure to put that down. As they return home, they're ambushed by rival ninjas from the Lin Kuei clan. Hanzo, horrified that the ninjas have slaughtered his wife and all his clan brethren, kills dozens of them in a berserker rage, which immediately tells you what kind of film this is going to be. This is the first Mortal Kombat film with an actual R rating. So, so much gore. Over-the-top cartoon gore that's funny, at least to people like me. Yeah,
1: I mean... I kind of expect it to have like the like um wow 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 side
0: effects when everything turns red yeah, his rampage is halted by the abilities of sub-zero an ice elemental who runs the lin kuei sub-zero murders satoshi with an ice dagger before killing hanzo and apparently in an earlier cut of the film you see the ice dagger going into satoshi's face they decided that's the one scene that they were going to pull back on and not directly reference thinking it would be more effective that way this is the first and last time that you can accuse this film of using restraint. Oh,
1: sort of like how um, the uh, Flying Grayson scene. They're like, oh, let's see if it's more trouble. Oh, yeah, it's way
0: more troubling. Yeah. In the Nether Realm, which is what they call hell, or at least it's like ninja hell. Like, this is the hell that ninjas go to. Hanzo's spirit is being tortured by a demon until he escapes. Fighting his way to a citadel at the center of this place, Hanzo encounters Quan Chi, a sorcerer who is administrating Nether Realm in place of its imprisoned ruler, Shinnok. Impressed by his tenacity, Quan Chi persuades Hanzo to enter the Mortal Kombat fighting tournament. And free Shinnok from his confinement. You see, Shinnok is a mad and crazy elder god who's been locked away to keep from screwing with things.
1: Wait, can you really call it administration when you're just sitting in a chair on top of a floating rock while everybody else does everything else?
0: Yeah, I don't know how you administrate hell. It's not like you have to handle property taxes or anything. I feel
1: like you gotta like oversee like supplies at the very least, It axes and stuff.
0: Well, anyways, if he goes along with this, this will give him a chance at revenge on Sub-Zero, who is participating in the tournament. And also, once Shinnok is free, Quan Chi very unconvincingly claims that he can resurrect Hasashi and his entire family. He kind
1: of text that bit on, though, so I don't think either of them really cared, but they are both like, yeah, that's also... An important point. Yeah, no, we were thinking
0: of that. Absorbing the hellfire-laced chains of his torment into his body, the undead Hanzo renames himself Scorpion. Meanwhile, Storm God Raiden and Shaolin Monk uh, Liu Kang prepare for the tournament. They're the people representing Earth in this. You of a pact made by the Elder Gods. Issues of transdimensional conquest are now settled by the tournament. Should Outworld win the tournament this time, its ruler uh, Shao Kahn will be given free reign to annex Earthrealm, which is a matter of some concern.
1: Still don't get why.
0: I already told you, according to Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which is a film you should take very seriously, Outworld is populated exclusively by cartwheeling ninjas, and they're running out of places to cartwheel. Ninjas <laughs> <laughs> can't build
1: levels.
0: Uh, Looking to hedge his bets, Raiden has surreptitiously arranged for Special Forces agent Sonya Blade to enter the tournament as she's chasing down Black Dragon crime boss Kano. Curiously, Raiden has also tricked washed-up action movie star Johnny Cage into joining. Cage has been led to believe that he is joining a new film project and is oblivious to the actual nature of Mortal Kombat until well into the, the first act.
1: It's actually really adorable. It makes him
0: very charming. We'll be talking about that more. Mortal Kombat is being held on an island run by uh, Shang Tsung, an aging warlock working under Shao Kahn. Cage, uh, Liu, and Blade are forced to witness Goro mutilate Jack, Sonya's commanding officer, rips his arms off. Uh, Raiden is forbidden from directly intervening once Mortal Kombat begins, but he does approach Scorpion as the latter is searching for the magic amulet that Shinnok is trapped inside. Scorpion is hostile to Raiden's advice, but he's already distrustful of Quan Chi, for obvious reasons, and is persuaded to hold off on letting Shinnok go free. Johnny Cage is alerted to the very real stakes of Mortal Kombat when he barely survives an encounter with the warrior Baraka. is
1: that the problem?
0: Yeah, he's the little goblin with the knife hands. Sonya is set against Reptile, whom she defeats. Liu Kang is matched up with Katana, a resentful daughter of Shao Kahn who yields when she learns of Liu's motives. Shang Tsung attempts to sabotage the Earthrealm fighters by sending an armed troop run by Kano in after them, but Scorpion intervenes on their behalf. While apparently sympathetic to Earthrealm, Scorpion retains a stern demeanor and promptly rushes to attack Sub-Zero once he appears. He was
1: totally lonely and just wanted to hang out at their bro bonfire.
0: Their bro fire. Their bro fire or so, and you keeps finding excuses to kick Johnny Cage in the balls. Fighting on a narrow precipice, Scorpion tackles Sub-Zero off the edge, and they're both impaled on spikes at the bottom of the pit, which you have said your favorite part of Mortal Kombat is the punchy pit at the, at the bottom. In the game? Yeah, yeah.
1: I loved that in the game. My favorite part of this movie was when they beat up the guy, and he flies into the car, and that dude in the background's just like, that's my car!
0: Learning that Kano is holding the mutilated Jax hostage, Sonya chases after him with Cage bringing up the rear. Liu Kang moves on to confront Shang Tsung and Goro. She went to give him a hand. Too soon. Quan Chi appears to Scorpion and mockingly confesses that he had masqueraded as Sub-Zero and led the Lin Kuei assault on his family, reinvigorated by his rage and also his will. Remember that part at the beginning of the movie where he's talking to Satoshi about the Scorpion fighting those ants? It ties into it. This is proper story construction. (laughs) Scorpion removes himself from the spikes, just screaming and pulling himself off, and follows Quan Chi to uh, Shang Tsung's compound. Sonya and Cage are beset by monsters in Kano's hideout, but Cage impresses uh, Sonya with his genuine fighting ability and they defeat Kano together rescuing Jax in the process. Jump
1: kicks, I told him that's what she needs, jump
0: kicks. Meanwhile, Goro is dominating the hopelessly outmatched Liu Kang, and Shang Tsung wants to toast himself to a early victory drink and foolishly ask Quan Chi to prepare the goblets. Quan Chi promptly pours, like, some kind of gross acid thing in the, the Sung's goblet.
1: It looks like reptiles spit, like when he spit at, um, what's-her-name earlier?
0: Sonya. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, my. That's the thing. It also colors the wine, so Shang Tsung notices right away.
1: Like my wine bubble,
0: happy. Yeah, and it's really green and acidy you tell Yeah, it's yeah. Goro is dominating the hopelessly outmatched Liu Kang, and he's about to tear off Liu Kang's arms. That's his favorite move. When Scorpion enters the fray and kills Goro, Shang Tsung tries to have Scorpion fight the injured and worn-out Liu Kang, but Scorpion forfeits the match, thereby securing Earthrealm's victory in the tournament, and at least ostensibly uh, preventing it from being invaded by Outworld.
1: But in like a very edgy, edgy, lunar kind of way.
0: In case you couldn't tell you know, what kind of guy Scorpion is, he's he's, he's so edgy. The, the island begins collapsing when Shang Tsung flees to Outworld. The Earthrealm fighters flee to Raiden's boat, but Scorpion is more interested in beating the shit out of Quan Chi than getting to safety. And he gets the upper hand as everything is blown to hell, does everything you've been waiting for him to do up to this point, impales Quan Chi with his little chain lance, yells, get over here! Oh, yeah. And then, you know, does both his major fatalities, rips his head off, and then pulls off his mask, revealing a flaming skull and lights Quan Chi's body on fire. So
1: when he rips his head off, it's got
0: a little, little curlicue spine wiggling. Yeah, the curlicue spine is wiggling underneath.
1: Looks like uh, those crazy french fries. Crazy fries.
0: Alright, at this point on, we got the sequel set up. Liu Kang is disappointed in his performance, but Raiden reassures him that his destiny is forthcoming. He's not supposed to defeat Goro, he's supposed to defeat Shao Kahn, because of course Shao Kahn is not going to take this lying down. At that very moment, Shao Kahn is showing his displeasure to Shang Tsung in a, the obvious way, and has decreed that he, despite the fact that Earthrealm won the tournament, he's going to invade it anyways. End of film. Doing it anyway. Sore
1: loser.
0: Alright, right, development for this film. Warner Brothers acquired the Mortal Kombat franchise in 2009. That is why they have been fighting DC characters in the last 10 years of the games. As I said before, this is the first R-rated Mortal Kombat film. It's a bit odd that none of the other prior films or cartoons had much gore, considering one of the core selling points of the genre is. I understand this in theory. PG-13 means that more kids will come in and buy tickets. You have an easier time recouping your investment, but... It's Mortal Kombat. It's like whenever they try to make a slasher movie, that's PG 13.
1: Like at the end of the day, you have to figure out who you're uh, selling the movie to
0: yeah speaking of which the person hired to write the film is named jeremy adams and they brought him in because he annoyed everyone at the office all the time with his in- incessant kung fu movie obsession <laughs> so they figured he'd be a solid choice read an interview somewhere where he was talking about brushing up on mortal kombat because he hadn't played it since he was a kid and he was surprised that the franchise had as much lore as it did which if you're not familiar with video games all fighting games have like way more world building than the- they honestly, need. Well, I mean, like with wrestling too. So
1: there's a lot of pageantry there, and to have that
0: kind of pageantry, you need the, the stories. Yeah, that brings up another thing I want to talk about because uh, I myself was invested in the war- lore of Mortal Kombat. I was 10 years old in 1995, which means that I'm the only type of person living in the only era in which I am capable at all of seeing Mortal Kombat as a grandiose epic. <laughs> I am a grown adult man, in theory, and therefore I cannot approach Mortal Kombat completely unironically, but still it has a part in my heart, and there was a part where I was doing backyard wrestling things with Mortal Kombat, and I was thinking that it was going to be very, very important. This is going to be a generational touchstone. Aw, like
1: I used to sneak into your room and watch you play it.
0: Ed Boone, one of the co-creators of the franchise, was a consultant, but according to everybody who worked on the film, he was incredibly hands-off. He basically told them to go hog wild on it, do whatever you want they appreciated the autonomy. The animation was provided by Studio Mir, who is behind the Legend of Korra, and oh boy, does it look like it is. Little ways that the characters are designed, how angular their eyeballs are, the way they move, it's very Legend of Korra. You now this, like all other Mortal Kombat installments, has quite a bit of uh, fan servicey stuff. For example, whenever characters are brutally attacked, there are extreme close-ups of, like, x-rays of their bones and organs failing on them. Them as the punches come in, or the bladed weapons that tear through them.
1: Everything's like Mountain Dew green all of a sudden.
0: Yeah, those are a nod to the 2011 version of Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat X and in, tw- in, in 2015, which is now apparently an ongoing feature in the games. I haven't played a Mortal Kombat game through since the Mortal Kombat 4, which was decades ago at this point. So I have missed out on quite a bit up to that point. I remember I was at a party a couple of years ago and, you know, sometimes in some parties, at least the ones that I attend, the hosts leave the TV on with like Smash Brothers or some other like group party video game on so if you're bored you've had enough drinks you can just play with whoever else is mingling with you and they they had a mortal Kombat game there and i got mad because they had changed the moves in the (laughs) 15 or so years since i last played an installment i was like backpack punch isn't the harpoon anymore that's bullshit Uh, yeah, the characters themselves have their designs in Mortal Kombat X, which or Mortal Kombat Ten. I'm not sure which one it, it's supposed to be called. I've been calling it Mortal Kombat X, maybe I'm wrong. Which is fine for the most part, although you were mystified that Johnny Cage's like suit was white throughout the whole movie. I thought
1: it was really nice. Um and that it was very much like
0: um white five oh. Oh, you 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 compared it to Miami Vice.
1: Miami Vice. Oh
0: and you commented on how weird and wrong katana's design looked she like she has these baggy boots that like parachute out and then fold into her leotard yeah
1: she looks like she's trying to be one of those like old-fashioned directors like kind of pants but then they like cut outside butt pockets and i don't understand why
0: Johnny Cage hands out autographs to a bunch of monks. Uh, That's a nod to his friendship move. In case you don't want to, like, do a fatality, you can also, like, be friends with the person after you beat him. And Johnny Cage hands you an autograph for his. He also says, Toasty! He's the one who's toasty! Yeah, when when he survives his fight with Baraka, he's sitting in the tree as the old temple collapses, and he goes, Toasty. And in the little before party... They're doing karate chopping an anvil contest because that was a mini game in the first game. Mataro has a cameo. He's the centaur. And apparently, that lady that Johnny Cage was talking to at the buffet is called Natara. She is one of the later characters. I have no idea who that is. <laughs> yeah, the, the bat lady. Like, Mortal Kombat brought in a vampire at some point or another. Let's talk about the cast for this one. First off, we have uh, Patrick Seitz as Scorpion. I'm guessing on the last name there, but that sounds plausible enough if I say it fast. He has been voicing Scorpion since 2008. He was not in Mortal Kombat 11 in 2019, but this is his return to the character. I thought he was fine. Scorpion's a pretty simple character. Most of his dialogue is his platitudes about revenge. Yeah,
1: I mean, he didn't distract or anything from it, so it was good.
0: Yeah, then we have Steve Blum as Sub Zero. And immediately I <laughs> was like, hey, it's Tom! I do a single he said. <laughs> he's got like four lines, but he's Spike from Cowboy Bebop, so it's just that voice. Okay, Jordan Rodriguez is Liu Kang. This character has a bit more substance to it, he has more to say and do. Liu Kang, as I mentioned in the other Mortal Kombat video I've done, I haven't done any Fellini movies, but <laughs> my second Mortal Kombat <laughs> film of the show.
1: He's trading well, don't worry about it. <laughs>
0: Mentioned that Luke Hang is like the main guy. He's the title hero, which means that sometimes he's kind of bland, but in this one, he's, I don't know, he's your central protagonist. As Brian David Gilbert mentioned, that Mullet kind of gives him high school boyfriend vibes. Oh, that's
1: cute. I mean, they. <laughs> Attention to him when he starts making
0: the sound effects the video game. Yeah, he does a very nice job doing those Bruce Lee whooping noises whenever he starts hopping around and kicking people. And he, and he finally does his little bicycle kick on Goro, which, which I had been waiting for because I love that move. Whenever you get someone in that bicycle kick, it's very satisfying. Alright, Darren DePaul is Quan Chi. Uh, once again, kind of a stock character. Everyone here is a star character. I thought I have no familiarity with the DePaul's career as a voice actor. I got the impression that he's kind of trying to sound like Clancy Brown. That. And next up, Joel McHale is Johnny Cage. Oh, Jeff yeah. from Community. Oh. When I first read that, I was like, Oh, that's perfect.
1: Really, right? It was so good.
0: Yeah, he could be a live-action Johnny Cage.
1: Oh, and his it hair like, I don't mean, I know, it's but it still looks like him.
0: Yeah, he's delightful in this, and a big difference between Johnny Cage in this incarnation and prior film versions is that in the other movies, Johnny Cage is like this action movie star who's entering the tournament because he wants to prove himself, that he's not just a Hollywood guy, and he's just incredibly obnoxious. When he died in the first five minutes of Mortal Kombat Annihilation, you're just like, oh, good, thanks for getting rid of Johnny, Shao (laughs) Kahn.
1: Overwhelming, really.
0: But yeah, the fact that he's oblivious for most of the film and has no idea what he's getting into. And even Liu Kang is like, should we tell him? And Raiden's like, no, because he's a sassy bitch. Yeah, Johnny Cage is a lot more endearing in this. He's about as endearing as that character ever gets. I didn't even like him when I was playing the games and had no idea what the backstory was. His moves were hard. Uh, You have Jennifer Carpenter as Sonya Blade. Like all prior incarnations of uh, Mortal Kombat, Sonya Blade doesn't really have much going on, even by the standards of Mortal Kombat characters who are all painted in broad strokes. Generally speaking, if she has a character arc, it's something about how she's too independent and she needs to know when to rely on other people, and that's sort of what's going on with her in this one.
1: The lines they made about her... And her backstory kind of pissed me off. Because they're like, her whole life, she's had to prove that she's not just a weak girl. And I'm like, oh, come on.
0: Yeah, we're still doing this.
1: Come on.
0: This is a movie where you can shatter someone's femur and they can keep fighting for another 15 minutes.
1: But her backstory is that she has, you know, a uterus. Awesome. As
0: Brian David Gilbert put it, Sonya is one of the first women in Mortal Kombat, so her personality is woman. <laughs> And I I, I get what they're going for when the whole Johnny Cage sort of flirts with Sonya and then she kicks him in the nuts, but it it felt a little contrived.
1: Yeah, but that's like their entire relationship.
0: Yeah, unless Johnny Cage actually does have a ball-stomping fetish, which is one of the jokes in this movie. (laughs) They kind of imply that he's into it, but uh, that, that would be a wrinkle. Robin, Ethan Downs is Kano, that voice actor is English, but Kano has been Australian ever since the 1995 movie, that apparently wasn't a plan, but they cast an Australian actor to play K- uh, Kano in that film, and apparently ever since, they're just like, screw it, Kano's Australian now. stands
1: out, it's nice, a little bit of flavor.
0: Is that, that is your attempt, at, that was your attempt at doing an accent? I think it
1: kind of more like you but like, you know, whatever.
0: And we have David B. Mitchell as Raiden, who Raiden's fun in this one. Raiden was always one of my favorite characters to play as in the games. But in this one, he's not involved because he's an elder god and can end the thing in two seconds if he didn't have that non-interference pact. So he's got to have it. He's smirky like Batman. Yeah, he's your classic mentor-as-shadow-type figure who is alluding to things without directly stating them. If you've encountered a Gandalf or an Obi-Wan before, you basically know what you're in for. This guy can shoot lightning out of his fingers. That's the main difference. And, yeah, like Obi-Wan, he gets to be a little quippy about it. And, yeah, you know, the final person I want to bring up is Kevin Michael Richardson as Goro. This is the first time that he has voiced Goro since the 1995 live-action film. Because once again, this is fan servicey as hell, and it's not a huge deal that they brought the original Goro back. But if you're really into Mortal Kombat, you're like, hey! <laughs> for him. It is nice for him. I looked at his IMDb page; he's a voice actor, so it's like nine miles long. <laughs> All right, now it's time for the theme. Something I struggled with a bit while coming up with this because this is a very slight movie. First thing is I brought it up. Well? Yeah. Is it well? okay. I already mentioned Will. Uh, One thing I wanted to mention uh, as well was this film embraces its role as trashy exploitation cheese. It has no illusions about what it is. And as I said before, the gore is so cartoonishly over the top that it is impossible for me to take it seriously. Maybe if you've lived the most sheltered life possible and have consumed almost no media, this film will be shocking to you. But no, people make lots of jokes about, say, how the xenomorphs of Disney princesses now because they've been acquired by Disney and they were laid by a queen and therefore a dead princess. I think the Mortal Kombat characters are officially in the Looney Tunes canon. (laughs)
1: That's why you were so excited about the intro?
0: Oh, yeah, the intro, uh, like a producer came up with it. Uh, apparently, most of Warner Brothers' animated films of recent vintage have like a Tex Avery-styled 1940s Daffy Duck whooping around, and then Porky Pig appears out of the WB logo and grabs him and pulls him in before the film starts. It's a, it's a it's a cute little logo intro. And in this one, instead of Porky, it's Scorpion, who grabs Daffy and screams, get over here, and pulls him in, and it's adorable. I like that way more than I should.
1: I genuinely thought that was the only time we were going to hear Line.
0: I, I already touched upon Johnny Cage's obliviousness and why that makes the character far more tolerable. Once he's aware of what Mortal Kombat is, and he and he gets used to it, and he starts getting cocky again. And he's like, "Oh yeah, that's that Johnny Cage I can't stand." <laughs> I think they laid
1: enough groundwork for me. It was pretty charming the whole way
0: through. It helps that not knowing what he's in for is it forces him to be an underdog, which engenders at least a little bit of of sympathy, even if you're approaching this film on the terms it wants you to. And the last bit I marked down is the notion of scorpion as a wild card, because the very first time I ever heard the idiom "wild card" was in reading, like the instruction manual for Mortal Kombat, and it explained what you know all the characters' roles were. And they're just like, okay, Luke Hang's a good guy, Goro's a bad guy, so on and so forth. And then this blew my mind when I was eight years old. Scorpion's not a good guy or a bad guy. There are other things you can be. Scorpion's out for himself, and he'll work with the good guys if they're useful to him, but if the bad guys are useful, then he'll work with them. It's like, whoa, that's deep, man.
1: Like Birdo from Mario. Wait, wait, wait. Birdo's just a pop star.
0: Oh, that's odd. I thought Birdo was lawful evil.
1: Birdo's a pop star now.
0: Does that make make Birdo chaotic neutral?
1: I mean, I guess. Yeah, because Birdo helps you out.
0: I guess. Uh, I mean, the only other thing I know is that Burdo is Yoshi's tennis partner.
1: I didn't know that, but I kind of appreciate it.
0: It's also implied that they're, that they're dating. Good for
1: Yoshi, I guess. Which Yoshi?
0: Oh, yeah, there's like 800 of them. Like the main one, the green one?
1: <laughs> okay, he's the one that gets a house.
0: Yeah, the one that gets a house.
1: He owns property, so... And
0: yet this is the left turn Let's get... <laughs> actually that's the entirety of my notes once again there isn't much to this film I'm kind of hoping that by doing this episode I'll stop thinking about it so much because I'm embarrassing myself by how much I like this really silly slight Mortal Kombat movie oh no it's
1: lovely I'm glad you shared it with
0: me alright so is there anything you'd like to add about Mortal Kombat Legends Scorpion's Revenge before we sign off Uh
1: no Covers it. Uh, It was a really cute movie. I wasn't expecting it. I really dug the animation. The only thing I didn't like was the weird random black rectangle knuckles. But uh, everything else was wonderful.
0: Yeah, those black rectangle knuckles were a weird choice. I was wondering if I was going to bring them up or not. But, yeah, since you mentioned it, yeah, that's interesting. And maybe it just makes it easier for them to move their joints or something.
1: They have little, like, markings so they know what's going on. It was like, I thought they genuinely had painted knuckles, but then everybody did. And I was like, not everybody can have those ninja knuckles. But that's what I'm calling them now, ninja knuckles. Tasty.
0: <laughs> and with that, thank you for joining us.